This week's parsha is Parshas Vayeshev. Uh, the parsha speaks about at the beginning how Yosef <coughs> goes to um, to see his brothers, to visit his brothers at the request of his father, Luris and to bring back word to Yaakov Avinu about their welfare. And what happens is, of course. He comes to his brothers, and his brothers see him coming from a distance. The pasuk says in Parak Lamed Zayin, pasuk Yud Ches, "Vayiru They saw him from a distance. Uveterem yikrav aleim, and before he was even approaching them, vayisnaklo oisay lahamisay, which means literally that they conspired against him to kill him. They saw him coming and they were plotting against him to, 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 to remove him. Rashi says, They were full all of a sudden with all types of conspiracies, all types of plots and ways of bringing down their brother. And they were, obviously they were jealous of him and they were full of all different types of feelings. And then Rashi says, Oisai, Vaisnaklu Oisai is spelled Chaser. And Rashi says, Oisai Kemai Itai. Which is, which means as if to say, they conspired with him. Imai Kleimar Elov. And then Rashi says, Imai meaning that on him, which Pashtus and Rashi, what Rashi really means to say is that Vaisnaklu Oisai La Misai is they were conspiring against him, about him, they were conspiring to kill him. I saw in a sefer, B'Shem the Kehilas Yitzchak, who brings B'Shem the Harava Magid Mi Pinsk, one of the, the great Rabbonim, the Magidim in, in Europe, a few hundred years ago, was Rabbi Yosef Mi Pinsk, and he says a, uh, he says a pshat, he says a pshat in, um, in what this Rashi means, and he says that what Rashi is referring to when he says "vayisnaklu itai" that they involved him in the conspiracy is very similar to what happened with David Amelech. David Amelech, uh, of course, he took he took Bathsheba, and there was a lot of controversy around that the fact that he did that. Chazal explained that he really had a halachic uh, heter to take Bathsheba, even though she was an Ish, but there was a reason why she was not an Ish at the time, but it certainly didn't look too good. And it certainly was something that um, that needed a certain degree of tshuva, and Nasana Navi came to David HaMelech and tried to explain to him how he did something that was terribly wrong. But instead of giving him a Musr Shmuz, which we know that nobody really likes to hear, instead of doing that, instead of um, uh, you know, completely, um, you know, saying to David head on that I don't like what you're doing. What you're doing, the Rebbeinu feels is wrong, and I'm coming to tell you that you have to be misvadeh upon it. He did it in a much smarter way. And he says as follows. He says to David HaMelech, what would you say, theoretically, in a very abstract case, let's make believe that there was a person that has a whole flock of sheep, hundreds, thousands of sheep. And he has more sheep than he could ever imagine. 
And then there's another guy in town who's very, very poor. And this person only has one little shepsula, he has one little sheep, and he gets the hair from the sheep, and he makes a little parnasa, he ekes out a livelihood from that one little sheep. And all of a sudden, this great baron who has thousands of sheep goes and he steals that one sheep from Nebuch, this, this, this person that lives down, down the street from him. What would you say in such a case about such a person? Ah, oh, terrible person. A terrible avir that that person did. David HaMelech goes as far as to say that he ben somebody that does something is deserving of death. There is no worse person in the history of the world than a person like that. And at that moment, Nasan and Avi says, don't you understand that that's you? What you just paskined about that person who took the shepsalot of that little Ani, don't you realize, David, that that's exactly what you did? You have many, many wives. You have the ability to marry as many wives as you want. You're the Melech, the Israel, And there was this fellow, Uri Achiti, had one wife. You couldn't let him have one wife. It bothered you so much. He had one wife and you go and chop her. Don't you see that that's exactly what you did? What you paskined about the theoretical case that I told you, that's mamish what you did wrong. And at that point, David had no... No, uh, he had no eights other than to confess that he did something wrong. Because the worst type of, the worst type of, of, of accusation is one that you really do to yourself. To incriminate yourself, there's no way out. If somebody else incriminates me, if somebody comes on the attack against me, I can figure out a way to get around him. But my own words, if somebody catches me on videotape or there's a recording of somebody in court, he's saying something there, there's no way, you can't be machish that. You can't at all disprove that. That's you. And when you pass in a certain way, you have to live with a psaq. David HaMelech passed in a certain way, and this is what David HaMelech had to fess up to when he was shown black and white that what you just said is mamish exactly the thing that you did wrong. And the Sefer, Kelos Yitzchak, brings from the Maggot of Pinsk that that's what Yosef's brothers did to Yosef. The way that they killed David HaMelech was not to say, to kill, the way that they went and, and, and brought Yosef down was not just Stam as we would naturally believe. You know, they would just go and chop him from behind and throw him into a, into a, you know, into a pit. But rather, they actually used him and his own words when they were conspiring against him. It's as if they were conspiring together with him. Itai. And that's why he died. Or he was paskin that he had to die because of something that he himself said. And according to him, obviously, this is all, you know, this is all speculation, I guess, on the part of the Magni Pinskin. He's just fashioning this word in the Pasuk. But what he said is that the brothers asked Yosef, what is the halacha of a person that speaks Lashon Hara? If a person, just stand, we want, we're just talking and, and learning. What's the halacha of somebody that speaks Lashon Hara? Somebody that's mighty diba against another person. Oh, that's a terrible person. You can't speak Lashon Hara. There's no worse thing in the world than Lashon Hara. And there's so many lav and there's so many assays. And how can a person go and speak against people that they care about? Lashon Hara, mighty diba. And at that point, the brother said to Yosef, don't you understand, Yosef, that's what you did to us? 
Don't you know that you were mighty diva to our father? You always told him all the things that we were doing wrong. You were reporting on us things that weren't true. They seemed to you to be true, but the emiss is. And if you look in the Mepharshim, all the things that they were, Mike Diba against Yosef, all those, that Yosef was Mike Diba against them, those accusations that they were eating Avram and Achai, and they were tormenting the, the Bnei Sashvach, or the Bnei Ashvaches, and all those things that they were saying wasn't really true. It just looked like it was true, but it wasn't really true. And Yosef himself said that it, that's such a terrible crime. And maybe he said that it's even deserving of such a person to die. They said, we're going to put you to death. Because you yourself just ask him against yourself. It's not that we are the ones that are rendering you guilty. You rendered yourself guilty. And that is the worst thing in the world for a person to have to own up to. That a person himself has to understand that he himself sometimes is causing himself the worst, the worst form of accusation is by the fact that he himself is doing something or saying something that will be held against him, or even immediately. When I saw this vart from the Maggot of Pinsk, I thought right away that we can bring a, a beautiful um, next step to it from something that we say on Musaf of Yamakipuram in the Chazar Sashats. There's, I think it's the, the, one of the highlights of Yom Kippur, I think we can all agree, besides for the Nisanateike of Kol Nidre, there's a few highlights, there's many highlights, Nila, but one of the main highlights, if you're paying attention and you're understanding what you're saying during davening, is the piyot called Ela Eskara. Ela Eskara is something that we say on Yom Kippur, and there's also a very similar piyot that we say in the Kinnis on Tishabav called Arze Alavanim. But it, it's sort of the same idea, and it discusses those Asar Malchus, those ten martyrs, Tanoim, Mamish, their Gedalim, that we have no idea how great they were, and they were killed by the Romans. The way that it's brought in the Piyutim is, according to the historians, not really factually accurate, because from the Piyut, it's Mashma, that they all were gathered as at once, in a room by the Roman general, and they were put to death sort of one after another, but if you look at the years that these Tanam actually lived in, they, they, they lived many years apart, some of them didn't even ever see each other, so it wasn't Shaykh that they should all really be in the same room together. I think that this martyrdom of, of these Tanasarugim Malchus took place over a century. If you look in the Svarim, it didn't happen at once, but anyway, and I guess for poetic license, the python puts them together in a room and makes a ki'ilu like it was happening at once because the gezerah was certainly against all of them as a unit. Now, why were these Asar Haruge Malchus Chayev Misa? So this is what the python writes, and he writes so beautifully. We're not going to go through, obviously, the whole thing, but just one yisai that I wanted to bring out of this. Eile Eskerov Nafshi Alai Eshpacha. These I shall recall... And I'll pour out my soul within me. Because evil people devoured me as if I was an unturned cake. For in that ruler's time, meaning by the Roman general's time, there was no reprieve for those ten who were murdered by the government. 
Belamdei Sefer, this ruler, this Roman ruler learned a Sefer, Mipimishule Aramas. He studied the book taught by Sanhedrin, the Haven Bedictek Bedas Rishumas, which is likened to a nourishing heap. That Sanhedrin is considered like a, a heap of grain that everybody needs. And he understood and analyzed the laws. He opened the page. He learned Chumash, Parshish, Mishpatim. And he learned right away. He thought of a plot regarding the Gainev Ishim Acharev and Imtza In Parshish, Mishpatim, there's a Pasuk that says that if you kidnap another Yid, and he's found by you, you are put to death. And when this Russia, this Roman learned from Sanhedrin, this Pasuk, and this Parsha, and this Sugya, he had a great idea. He became arrogant against the great sages. And he filled his palace with shoes. We'll see why soon. And he called together the ten greatest leaders of Kal Yisrael. Those that plumbed the law and its principles through analytical discussion. He commanded them, judge the following case. And don't. Meaning, state the decision without any deceit. Don't, don't do shtick. I want you to pass him straight. Just tell me the halacha. You have to clarify it truthfully. What's the halacha if a person takes a Jewish slave and sells him? He enslaves him and he sells him. He takes a Jew, he enslaves him, and he goes and sells him. What's Allah? They answer right away, everybody knows. The Paschal Chumash. The person has to die. And then he said to them, Then what of your ancestors who sold their brother? They sold him to a caravan of Yishmaelim. And for shoes, what did they trade him in for? What did they barter Yosef HaTzadik with? Shoes. They got a couple of pair of shoes, and they're willing for that to sell their brother. And now you, you ten great Gedalim, you have to accept the din of Shemayim upon yourselves for them, for the atrocity that they committed. Because since your forefathers' times, there was none like you. There have never been a collection of such outstanding leaders like you. And it's brought, by the way, in the Sifrei Kabbalah, in the Sarah Makadashim, it's brought that not only were there never as great a group, a collection of Tamidah HaChabim, since the Shvatim, but also it says that these Tanam were actual Gilgulim. These were the reincarnations of the Shvatim. And if you look in the Psalm, you'll see how each and every one of these Aserug was Shaykh to one of the Shvatim. 
So sort of they were living out, they were reborn, they were born in this star in order to get the Einesh of their nefesh, of their neshamas. Had they been alive, I would have prosecuted them before you. And now you must take the Avay and the Avera of their, of their Einish. So I found it fascinating that according to the, the Maggid of Pinsk, that the way that they were able to trap Yosef, they ensnared Yosef in their own, in his own sack, with the very own sack of Yosef Atzadik, that's how they were able to be Danim Lamisha. Because Yosef himself, they asked him, what will be in such a case? He passed him, that's the, the verdict for you. And so Mida Kineg and Mida, when they were being judged many, many, you know, many centuries later, through the Asaruga Malchus, so they were also judged in such a way, the way that they met their fate was also through passing a verdict upon themselves. They didn't know that they were going, that the psaq that they gave to this Roman was going to affect them. They thought it was just some, you know, a theoretical case. He wanted to know what the halacha was. But that very verdict, that when you take, when you're gaina that they passed in, that was going to be brought upon them. They were the shifte kop. They represented the shvatim, they were the gulgulim of the shvatim, and they had to live the same way that they brought down Yosef, that's how they ultimately were brought down themselves. And there's a famous Mishnah in Avis that says one of the three ways that you're going to be able to live a life without sin is by always focusing on before whom are we going to give a din b'cheshven? And the question is, what is the difference between a din and a cheshpun? Is it just some, you know, a figure of speech, din mecheshpun, din mecheshpun? Or is there a specific difference between a din and a cheshpun? What does it mean I'm going to have to give a din? Din means judgment, that I understand. What is a cheshpun then? What does it mean a cheshpun? You're going to be given accounting. What type of account? Isn't that what din is? So the Vilna Gain says of Pshat, in the difference between a din and a cheshpun, he says like this, a din, pshat in a din is, you are going to be judged, we will all be judged with for everything that we do, right and wrong. Every avera that we do, if let's say we go and we're mevatel Torah for an hour, we go and we do something completely, not something like, you know, playing ball, it's obviously something important, you know, we have to we have to keep in shape and we have to eat and we have to sleep, we have to do a lot of things, that's not bitul Torah. But sometimes we do things that's clearly unnecessary. We do it just for entertainment value, and we have no excuse in the world to do it. But we're being mevatel It's a terrible avera bitul tayra, as we know. So we're going to have to give a din mecheshven in the sense that the din is going to be on the fact that we're mevatel tayra. Whatever we were doing, you know, we're going to have to give a din for for watching something that we shouldn't be watching during that hour. So we're going to have to give a. a we're going to get Einshim for that, for what we watched. We're going to have to give a din b'cheshven also. We're going to have to give din for the bitul taira. And then we're going to have to give a din for what we could have done, the cheshven rather, is what we could have done during the time that we were spending doing that. Meaning, if there was an hour, that hour that we wasted, 
that we could have been learning, that we could have been doing mitzvahs, we could have been doing something of value, that is also held against us. It's not only the fact that, you know, we did, we did something wrong, and during that hour we did an Adera, that's a din. But then there's a cheshven, the Rabbi Shalom gave you that hour, why didn't you spend it properly? What were you doing during that hour? The cheshven is, you should have been learning during that hour, and you're responsible for that. Something that we don't think about. We say, you know what, I'm prepared to take a, I get an Adera, I understand, for, for doing what I'm doing. But we don't understand how deep the cheshpan goes. The cheshpan is much worse sometimes than the din. It's not just the din, it's what you didn't do. How much wasted time we, you know, we squandered. <coughs> I think there's a maisa with the gra, which is very good, say that the gra was once speaking to a, to an apikairis, to a mummer. You know, it was a time of Ascala, the gra lived in a terrible trufa of Ascala. And there was a masculine that came and he was talking to the gra, and the story goes that he was telling the Gra, you know, how he doesn't believe in anything, and he's mamish off the derech, and he, you know, he, he has so many kashas, and all of that. And while they were talking, apparently this guy had a, somebody brought tea to the table, you know, to, to, between the Vilna Gain and this Maskil, and they were, you know, gonna drink some tea. And the Maskil starts picking up the cup, and he starts drinking the tea without a bracha. So the Vilna Gain stops him, he stops him, he holds his hand, he says, make a bracha, make a shahakal. So the maskal starts laughing, he says, Rebbe, says, weren't you listening to anything that I was just telling you? I'm completely off the derech, I don't believe in one word of anything, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not buying into it anymore, and you're telling me that I'm going to have to make a bracha? What, what, you weren't listening. He says, I was listening. He says, you're going to have to give... You're getting Einshim, trust me, you're getting Einshim galore for being a kaifer, for being happy kairis. But don't think that you're not going to also be responsible for not making a bracha. Meaning, a lot of times people think, all right, you know, once I stay, I declare my major, I'm off the derech, now, okay, you know, that's a bad thing, but, you know, but now I, I'm free to do whatever I want. Every Aveira, every mitzvah that I'm about to, every Aveira that I do, you know, that I'm not responsible for anymore because I've already made it clear that, you know, I'm not a Shemitah mitzvah. The gra is saying, no, you have a din. There is a din on everything that you do wrong. But there's a cheshpen for everything also. Don't think that anything gets lost by the Rabbi Nishayim. We're responsible for everything. If a, the biggest apikaris in the world, who's a yid, doesn't make a bracha, he's gonna, that's also an einish. You're not absolved from that more than anybody else. Just because you happen to think of yourself as doing like a, a big, major, broad stroke of fira, therefore you're not responsible for the fine details of life. That's not true. There's a din and there's a cheshpen. You're going to give a din for everything that you do wrong, but there's a cheshpen of the, when you did that, those things wrong, what were you really supposed to be doing? And the, all the bitos man, all the bitos taira that we do, bishas the avera, that's the cheshpen. Now the answer of shach, a question on this gra. The answer of Shach as follows: What's the Abe, What's exactly the gra saying about this cheshpin? The cheshpin is what? The cheshpin is bitul tayro, basically, right? I, I I watched the movie during that hour, and the cheshpin is what bitul tayro. But bitul tayro is also an avera, so that should go under the column of din. Why is why is bitul tayro what I didn't do, what I could have done that I didn't do? Why isn't that also part of din? Why is what's the cheshpin? Why is that a cheshven more than din? So the way Rav Shach explains it is as follows. 
it's not so much. You're right. There is there is a din for watching the movie. There's a cheshben for not learning Torah. The problem is, so you're saying, but the cheshben should be a the, should be part of the din. The bittul Torah is part of din. That's also an avera. So he says like this, and this is what we have to pay attention to because it's so nagaya to us. A lot of times we will say it's not bittul Torah. Like I said before, when we play ball. You know, in a re- with a reasonable amount of time, you know, there are people that play ball. You play ball, let's say, whatever it is. I don't want to give a number, but let's say, uh, an hour, an hour every, uh, twice a week, an hour. Okay, I think that's a fair amount of ball playing. Could be, okay. There are some people that work out in a gym five hours a day. We've had people in Yeshiva, five hours a day they're working out. They look like every day they come in, they look bigger and bigger and they're broader and broader and they're working out. Is that, is that Pitzel or not? So, you know, it's obviously, you know, there's extremes. You can't do something that much. You have to do everything normal. You can't chalk up everything to, you know, to exercise. There's an amount of exercise, you know, you could eat. You're supposed to eat. You have to eat. You know, but there's eating and there's eating. If you eat for, you know, for supper for 20 minutes, that's a nice amount of time. If you eat supper for three hours, you know, obviously that's, that's extreme. So a person has to unwind. I have to unwind. I want to just veg out on the couch. I'm not. I'm not doing anything wrong, but it's. I'm not chalking it up to bittul tire because it's not bittul. I really, really need to relax, which is okay. You're allowed to relax. Now the question is, are you consistent in your relaxation? Which means as follows: You really, you claim that at seven o'clock every night you're too tired. You don't want to go to this madrash. You need to. You need to chill. You need to just relax. Fine. Let's say your friend would call you and say, hey, you know, let's go, Chaim, let's go to a, you know, there's, there's a concert I got tickets to, you want to go? Yeah, I'm there, let's go. So all of a sudden, what you've done by getting so excited and animated and start running to do something, and not to the concert, depending on what the concert is, whatever, but, but the point, that's not the point. The point is that suddenly we have energy to do things when we want to do things. I, but it's 7 o'clock at night. I thought seven o'clock you're exhausted, you need to unwind. LMI, the tarot says that you really, it depends what you're, you know, what you want to do. If you want to, you know, if it's, if it's learning, if it's going to minion, so I'm not so into that. But if it's doing something that I want to do, then all of a sudden you have the ability to run. So that's the cheshman, says Rav Meaning, a lot of times we claim that we're not able to, we just, we're too tired, which is fine, that's a good excuse. But the excuse has to be consistent. If we're going to make something as an excuse, if we're going to say, listen, I was doing this for an hour, okay, let's say it was, uh, you know, something completely clean that I was doing, I was relaxing, I was reading a book that was not tired, that, and so, but it's not biblical because I need to relax. I can't, I just cannot learn right now. So you weren't able to learn, but you were able, you know, when your friend called you to do this, that, and the other thing. I'm not able to wake up in the morning for diving. I'm just exhausted. Every single morning I'm, I wake up, I can't get up. Okay? How come when you need to go on a vacation, or when you need to catch a plane to go home, no one ever has a problem. I've never seen anyone miss a plane because, you know, they kept hitting the snooze button on that morning that they had a, that they had a trip to take. Never. The terror says that we're inconsistent. We are sometimes, you know, lazy, and we think that we are, that it's a good excuse, and it is a good excuse if it's, if it's consistent. I mean, obviously, you can't miss out, you can maybe go to a later minion, you know, let's say during Ben Azmanim, 
But you have to be careful because if you're claiming that you're just simply too tired, you have to really be consistently tired. And regardless of how exciting the thing is, if you're still lazy and tired, okay, you could go up to Shemaim and say, I was across the board like this. This is really who I was. But if the Rabbani Shalom is able to show you black and white that you are only tired and you're only lazy only when it comes to doing things that are ruchniistic of things, when it comes to doing gashmi sticker, sometimes all of a sudden you're able to play ball, you have kayak to run here, to go there, that's very dangerous because now you have incriminating evidence that's going to be brought against you. And that's called cheshpin. Cheshpin is when the Rabbeinu Shalom uses what you do as exhibit A against you. He's not asking you to, you know, he's not ranking you against other people. You could say, well, you know, that guy's a bigger master than me, he's, he's less tired, he has better, you know, better metabolism, he's more energetic than me, he has, you know, he needs less sleep than I do. We can make all excuses when we're looking at other people. That's not what our Din Mecheshman is going to be about in Shemayim. The Rebbein Shem is not going to compare us to anybody. The Rebbein Shem is going to compare us to us. He's going to show us exactly when we were able to be energetic and when we weren't. When we were able to get up in the morning when we weren't. When we were able to, to, to do things at 7 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night and when we weren't. And it's going to be so clear that it's going to be self-evident that we are really, we were living sort of a hip- hypocritical life. And we were using excuses that weren't really valid, just we made them valid in our own minds, but really they had no validity. That is the cheshpin of our life. There is a din about the Averis that we do, but the cheshpin is, when we're, the bitul taira, is it really bitul taira, or is it not bitul taira? What we can, we say it's not bitul taira. That hour that we spent, we needed to relax. We were too exhausted. Okay, fine, if you're exhausted, you're exhausted, but you have to be consistently exhausted. I just had this week, I went to a chasmer, and I was sitting by a table, and, you know, a lot of these chastas, you have people coming over collecting money. Okay. So normally I, I, I think I try to always give. And I opened up my wallet. I did not have a dollar on me. I didn't have a single, I had nothing on me. And I told the guy, I showed the guy my wallet, and I was throwing him any money. I'm sorry. Now, the next day I was in yeshiva, and I was very, very hungry. I was sitting in my office. I was starving. So I figured, good, I'm going to go up. I'm going to get a you know, a, a Danish or something from the candy machine. So I opened up my wallet, and I saw I had no money in it. So I said, well, I, I need the Danish. So oh, I know, in my car, I have change, and I have quarters for the meter, so I'll go to my car, I'll get five quarters, I'll buy myself a Danish. And then I stopped myself. I said, I can't do that. So because if I go now to the car to get myself a Danish, then the Rebbein Shalom is going to have a tain on me Oh, for the for a Danish for your own belly, you're able to run to the car. So why when that honey came to you for tzaka, there you, you weren't running to the car. Your car wasn't that. My car was probably about the same distance, you know, from my from where I was sitting as as it was from my office. So Elamai the Tarot says that when it came to tzaka, you weren't motivated, and when it comes to a Danish, you are motivated. So if you, if I'm never motivated. So then, you know, even when it comes to my own thing, I can answer for myself. I can say to the Rebbein the reason why I didn't give the guy tzedakah is because, you know, it was just too far away. I didn't want to leave the chasna. I didn't want to go. I, I, you know, it, just, it, was, it was just a tirchah. And it, but if the next day, I go and I, and I run to the, the car to be able to buy myself a Danish, then how am I going to answer for the din v'cheshven that the Rebbein might ask me about? 
or will ask me about. And the point is that in life we just have to be consistent. I'm not saying I'm not trying to give you a you know a tip about how to get out of the din b'chashvim, but it's so important just to have consistency in our life, just to make sure that what we're doing is eiskahalt and that it could really pass. It could, it, it's watertight because we're going to be asked about what we do relative to what we do, and so if we're going to be lazy, we have to be lazy across the board, and if we're going to you know not be motivated to learn. Okay, but we have to then be not motivated to do anything. And if we are motivated by doing certain things, and just when it comes to learning and davening and tzedakah and mitzvahs, then we're suddenly lazy, there's going to be a terrible cheshvan to have to give. That's what cheshvan is. And this is exactly what the Beis HaLevi says. Mamish also by the Ache Yosef, but all the way at the end of the story. Today we're talking about primarily the beginning of the story. When Yosef gets thrown into the pit, on the base of his own Haggadah's Edus, on the, on the base of his own Sat, he paskin against himself. If you fast forward all the way to the end of the story, the end of the story is in Parshas Vayigash, and you look at what happens when Yosef finally reveals himself to his brothers. This is the perhaps the most dramatic point in the Torah. There's no more dramatic moment, I think, in, in, in perhaps in the whole Tanakh, as that moment that Yosef reveals himself to his brothers. He says like this, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? They were unable to utter a word. The brothers, when they heard that he was Yosef, and they said, and he says, "Is my father still alive?" They were unable. Sometimes you know you just don't have words to say. You can't. Nothing comes out. You're about to talk. I got nothing to say. We're so humiliated. We have nothing to say. And the medrash, there's a very frightening medrash on this pasuk. It says like this: "I lano miyayim ha din. I lano miyayim ha Woe is to us on the day of judgment, and woe is to us on the day of reprimanding, of admonishment. Yosef was the youngest of the brothers, and they were unable, their kid brother, his little brother, and they were unable to answer him. Says the Medrash, when Akadosh comes and admonishes us, at the end of our lives, we are not going to be able to utter a single word. Now the Beis Halevi says, what was the Teichacha over here? I don't understand. I don't know if Yosef had said, you know, you people, you terrible people who threw me into a pit and told my father terrible things. I, I, but what did he say? Oh, he was very nice, Yosef. If it was me, I would have mamish laced into them. But he was very nice. All he says, on me, Yosef. That's, right, I think that we can all agree that's, that's a, a pretty powerful statement to make. Is my father still alive? Not so bad. What was so? They should have said, "Yeah, he's doing okay. You know, he's getting a little older." Whatever. Like, why is that such a big taichacha? So the Beis Halevi says, "Beautiful pshat, mamish a gorgeous pshat," as he always does. The Beis Halevi says like this: he "says Why did Yisus say Is my father still alive? After all, they just told him that we have to bring Binyamin back." Because if we don't bring him back, then our father is not going to survive that blow. 
Our father is simply not going to be able to make it if we don't bring our kid brother Binyamin back. So what's Yasef asking, and what's Yasef saying, is my father still alive? They just told him that he's alive two minutes ago. Zok the Beis HaLevi Meredith. The Beis HaLevi says that what he was saying to his brothers were, it's so sweet, it's so nice of you. Wow, you guys are such tzaddikim. You're so concerned for your, for our, for your father's welfare that Nebuch, you know, nothing bad should happen. You have to bring Binyamin back, you know, because you're so, it's, it's, it's Ramesh, so commendable. But I'm Yasef. I'm Yasef. Is my father still alive? How come you weren't so concerned about our father's welfare and well-being when you went to him and said, Tarot, Tarot, Yasef? You went to our father when you threw me into the pit. You didn't care then about our father. You weren't so concerned at that moment in time. Oh, what's Tati going to say? How's Tati going to survive? You took me and you threw me into the pit and you went back to dad and you said, Tarot, Tarot, Yasef. Here is Chayirah He was torn apart by an animal. And now you're concerned for Binyamin. My father's still alive after you did it to me. He survived that, that blow. So why are you all of a sudden, now you're waking up, you're such Sadiq with Binyamin? They were not able to answer. You know why? Because of this Vart. The same Vart. It's not shy to answer something like that. When a person accuses you of doing something that you yourself did, there's no answer. That's something that she'ena love chuba. There is no way that a person could ever refute something that is by his own words or by his own actions. The brothers of Yasef showed that they couldn't really care too much. They didn't care that much about their father's welfare. And now all of a sudden you're caring about Binyamin's welfare. Clearly it's Mufrach Minei Ubei. And that you can't answer. And the Beis HaLevi says that's what the Medrash means. When it says, The worst thing that we're going to have to face when we come up to Shamayim is not that why we weren't as good as Ramesha Feinstein. Why we didn't, why we weren't as smart as the Vilna Gain. Why we weren't a, a tzaddik like a, like a Bahia Levine. No one's going to hold that against us. We have a thousand excuses for that. The biggest problem that we are going to face in the Yayma Din is all of the things that we did that show that everything that we're tining is baloney. Because when we are doing things day by day, we show by our actions and everything, there's a record for everything. We are showing by our actions what we have the capability of doing and what we don't have the capability of doing. A lot of people say, you know, I don't have the money for tzedakah. I can't afford to give money to tzedakah. My father used to be on a, um, he used to be the president of the elementary school that I, that I attended, which worked very well for me because every time I got kicked out of class, um, he was able to get me back, back into class pretty quickly, so that was wonderful. It's, it's good to have a dad who's a president. But the one time, my, fa- my father, as part of the responsibilities that he had for being the president, he was on the tuition assistance uh, board of, of the yeshiva, which is a very, very uncomfortable um, thing to be on because, you know, you basically have to be part of a, a bestin that sits and, and paskins about people, parents that can't afford to pay tuition, and many, many parents can't afford to pay tuition. That's no secret, and that's okay. It's part of life. But one thing that the tuition 
board did was they did a little research. Before the people came in, they had to, you know, sort of, they didn't just come take everybody at their word because, you know, it's a lot of money at stake. Every kid's tuition is, I don't know, back then, but, you know, today it's $10,000 a kid minimum. You know, if you go out to Long Island or Great Neck, it's like, uh, I think it's twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 every child. It's a crazy amount. But, so, they would come before my father and, 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 and other people that were there, you know, on this committee. And they'd say, you know, we can't afford to pay the tuition. My father said, fuck, you don't have to pay tuition. You don't have to pay full tuition. But just explain to me one thing. Why can't you pay tuition? We don't have the money. We don't have the money. Where did you go for Pesach? Uh, you know, uh, why do you want to know? They're just, they're just schmoozing. Where did you go for Pesach? Oh, we went to, you know, Pesach with the Chavra. Oh, that, that's nice. How much does such a Pesach cost? Uh, you probably have, you know, you have yourself, your wife, you know, ten kids, and, you know, uh, you know, your cousins came, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, 150000 You have $150,000 to spend for an eight-day Pesach, but you can't spend $20,000 for your two kids? You have the ability to drive in a gorgeous sports car, and in those days there was no such thing as a lease. You had to actually buy a car. Believe it or not, and you know, so if you had a Cadillac that meant you were rich, you know, you had forty thousand dollars to plunk down on the table. You can't pay five thousand dollars for your kids' tuition. So, and there's no, there's no chuba. The people, mamish wanted, they, you know, you walk out, okay, Amaida, you got me. You can't, you can't have it both ways. If you have to, if you have no money, you don't have no money. But you can't have, claim to have no money. At least, you know, if you can get by the tuition assistance committee, you can't get by the best in Agado. The best of God was Mamash going to ask that. How come you were able, you claim you didn't give enough to the doctor because you couldn't afford it, but you were able to take a trip to Florida, you were able to, you know, to go out to uh, fancy restaurants every other night, you were able to do all those things, just pumped when it came to tzedakah, there was no money in the wallet. It's a funny thing. We were able to, we are never able to get up in the morning to davening, but we were able to get up when there's fun things to do, then we are able to get up. And this is, this is the way the Din B'cheshpin goes. And this is what the Aylanam Yema Din, Aylanam Yema Tachacha, there's so much that we can be doing. There's so much that we can be doing, but we're not doing it. We, we're not able, I have, why are you not learning? Chavitz Chaim always says, why are you not learning? I have no cup. I don't have the cup. Really, you don't have the cup. But you were able to pass the, to become a lawyer. For that you had a cup. You're able to build a multi-million dollar business that you have to cup, but just when it comes to learning how to buy and rub, you have no cup. We have to be consistent. If we're, if we're, if we're across the board consistent, if we didn't have a cup and we, we do something very simple our whole life that doesn't involve any reasoning, every, any logic, any, any degree of having intellect, okay. But if a person shows that he's brilliant, when it comes to doing certain things in the world, but all of a sudden he cries poverty when it comes to his chachmas atayra, it sort of doesn't really wash so well. And this is the essay that we see time after time by Yasef and the brothers. We see it from the Magad of Pinsker, they asked Yasef to pass in against who? Against Yasef. And by the Asarigam Alchus, they asked these Gilgulim of the Asarigam Alchus to pass in against themselves. And by the end, when Yasef gives them Teichacha, he was giving them Teichacha against themselves. Because this is the aside when it comes to our din v'cheshpin, we are not, we don't have to be a Meishah Fainz, we don't have to be a Baron Cutler, but we do have to be ourselves, and we have to be consistent. Now, so many times we gripe against our parents, you know, my parents are hypocrites, 
You know, they say one thing, they do another thing. And that may or may not be true. But aren't we all hypocrites like that? We're all hypocrites. We all do the same thing. You know, when we, we, we don't, we, we, we do certain things and we don't do certain things and we think that we, because we're doing it, it's everything is justified. We have eights for everything. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to understand that we are not fooling anybody. The din and the cheshpin involved, involved is so intricate. And the Rabbi Shalom has all the facts. You know, maybe before the age of the computer, it was hard really to fathom a concept of having total access to every single thing that I do wrong. But today, it's so easy to understand how a din v'cheshpin works, how the Rabbi Shalom is able to have instant access. You know, if you're able, you could call AT&T and ask them to give you a printout of every single minute by minute that you texted and that you made a phone call. Everything is on the screen. You have every, you have access to everything. The Rabbi Shalom has such a transcript and such a, such a cheshpin for every second of our lives. And it's such a scary concept. But it's only scary if we haven't, if we're not, if we're consistent, it's okay. It's alright. If we, if we have natural things that we're limited by, that's okay, and maybe that's a good excuse, but it has to be consistent. We have to just be very, very careful that we are across the board honest with ourselves. Because we are, even though we think that in this world we're able to get away with a lot, and we have a silver tongue that's able to talk our way out of every single problem and every trouble that we get into, we're able to be smooth about it and get through it. When it comes to the Rabbi Yisham and the Ayoma Emes, it's just not that way. And I'm sorry for speaking about this topic. I know it's not Elul, and I apologize for that. I, I, it would have been much nicer to speak about, you know, Hanukkah, a happy topic. But we'll speak about that in Mitzvah Hashem by the Tish this week on, uh, on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, 8.30. Um, but it's just something, when I saw this Bart, it just spoke to me. Because it's such a fundamental insight in, in how we have to conduct our business. And how we have to think every time when we are getting up in the morning, when we're not getting up in the morning, when we are learning, when we're not learning, it's okay. Just make sure that we're really being honest with ourselves. And if we're honest with ourselves, then we have we have what to answer to the Rebbeinu Shalom, then that's okay. But if we're not, the worst thing in the world is when they play the tape and it's so self-incriminating that we are nivhalamipana, we cannot answer. We always have to be able to come up with an answer, and that's how we have to live our life with this concept of din v'cheshbon. And if we're able to always keep this in mind, din then Amir Hashem that an Adam is not bali de'avera, because we will be always careful, and we'll always be, you know, conscious of, conscious of the fact that if we're going to do something, we have to make sure that it's consistent throughout our entire lives. Have a good chance.